The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. News Talk 850 WFTL presents Joyce Kaufman, No Restraint. Here's Joyce Kaufman. On this week's No Restraint Podcast, I must admit, that I've got to throw caution to the wind. I'm sick and tired of doing all this research and trying to get people information, which it occurs to me they seldom pay attention to. I'm not talking about you, of course, but there are plenty of people out there who just want to hear some rabble-rousing, and I'm perfectly capable of doing that. I don't need to do so much research either. I can just talk from my heart, and I decided that's what I'm going to do because I cannot believe how ignorant people are when it comes to what's going on right now in Israel. The idea that we have student groups all over this country who are defending the brutal slaying of women and children and the elderly is beyond my comprehension. It's not just something I'm a little disturbed about. It's something that makes me see red. And all I keep thinking is I wish that they were be subjected to the same kind of brutality that happened in a kibbutz in southern Israel, that happened at a peaceful music festival in southern Israel. If you expect me to have an untoward amount of sympathy towards Hamas terrorists, you've come to the wrong podcast and you should probably turn it off right now. First and foremost, people don't even understand what Hamas is. Hamas was established in 1988. It was basically a spinoff of the Muslim Brotherhood. Who else was a spinoff of the Muslim Brotherhood? Oh, well, how about ISIS? How about Al-Qaeda? How about the Islamic Jihad? How about Boko Haram? And scores of other additional terror entities. The Muslim Brotherhood is the largest Sunni terror organization haunting all pro-U.S. Arab regimes, India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, Thailand, Africa, Europe, and the USA. And it's got one strategic goal, topple all national Muslim regimes, bring the Western infidel to submission, and establish a universal Muslim society. Hamas, just like the Muslim Brotherhood, considers Israel as an infidel entity in the abode of Islam a U.S. beachhead in the Middle East, and a deterring ally of all pro-U.S. Arab regimes. I just heard that over the weekend, that in fact, America is who's occupying Palestine. Think of the absurdity of that on its face. The 1988 Hamas Charter highlights the Quran as its constitution, jihad as its path, and martyrdom as its loftiest tactic. It urges the believers to kill Jews, as specified in Article 7 of the Charter, quoting one of the Prophet Muhammad's hadiths, which are his verbal teachings, when the Jew will hide behind stones and trees, the stones and trees will say, O Muslims, there is a Jew behind me, come and kill him. Hamas is assisted both militarily and financially by Iran's ayatollahs, as well as by Qatar and Turkey who ostensibly are our allies, and who, just like the Muslim Brotherhood, 
perceived the war against the illegitimate Jewish state as a preview of their war on the apostate pro-U.S. Arab regimes and the infidel West, with a focus on the great American Satan. That's you and me, my friends. Hamas and other Islamic and Palestinian terrorist organizations have collaborated with enemies and rivals of the U.S. and all Western civilization, like Nazi Germany, the Soviet bloc, Iran's Ayatollahs, North Korea, Venezuela, Cuba, and terror organizations in Asia, Africa, Europe, and Latin America. So what's the Western attitude towards Hamas? Well, the more constrained is Israel's posture of deterrence and war on Hamas. The more emboldened is anti-Western terrorism. On the other hand, the more robust is Israel's posture of deterrence and its war on Hamas terrorism, the more deterred are Islamic terrorism to assault the West. Furthermore, it was Israel's sturdy posture of deterrence which induced six Arab countries to conclude peace accords with Jerusalem and enticed Saudi Arabia to substantially expand defense and commercial cooperation with Israel. While the rogue anti-U.S. conduct of Iran's ayatollahs has intensified dramatically since their ascension to power in February of 1979 and the posture of Muslim Brotherhood-related organizations has been dramatically enhanced in Europe and the USA, government in the West have taken lightly the fanatic vision and the apocalyptic nature of Islamic terrorism deluding itself that these terrorists are driven by despair, not by deeply entrenched ideology. Notwithstanding the systematically anti-Western rogue track record of Hamas and Iran's ayatollahs since 1988 and 1979, the West has gone through a suspension of disbelief. The West has assumed that grand financial and diplomatic gestures could induce these rogue entities to abandon their 1,400-year-old violently intolerant Islamic vision and embrace good-faith negotiation and peaceful coexistence. But there's ample documentation that terrorist Muslim regimes do not sacrifice their fanatical vision on the altar of their own enrichment and improved standard of living of their population. Western policymakers and public opinion molders like the media brush off the well-documented fact that Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran's ayatollahs, and the other Islamic terrorists consider the following precepts of Islam as their own pillar of fire. One, Islam is the only legitimate religion divinely ordained to rule. Two, the abode of the infidel must submit itself to the abode of the believers unconditionally, peacefully, or militarily. Three, jihad must be conducted on behalf of Allah, guaranteeing each warrior 72 virgins in paradise. Four, Terrorism aims to terrify the infidel, causing submission to Islam. And six, accords with infidels are non-binding and constitute a temporary ceasefire to be abrogated once the believers regain sufficient firepower. And finally, doublespeak and dissimulation, that's taqiyya, are legitimate tactics aimed at misleading and overcoming the infidel. Anti-U.S.-led 
and anti-Israel Islamic terrorism is not driven by U.S. or Israeli policy. In fact, Islamic terrorism has been an intrinsic feature of the Middle East since the 7th century, murdering many more Muslims than non-Muslims. Islamic terrorism has been driven by the existence of the infidel, U.S. and Israel, irrespective of their policy. For example, anti-U.S. Islamic terrorism afflicted the U.S. during the administration of President Obama like the November 9th Fort Hood massacre and the December 2nd, 2015 San Bernardino massacre and President Trump on October 31st, 2017, the New York City massacre and the December 6th, 2019 Pensacola massacre. Western policymakers have been in denial of the fact that the terrorists bite the hand that feeds them, interpreting Western gestures as weakness. This was demonstrated by the 9-11 terrorism, irrespective of the U.S.'s assisting the Mujahideen's war against Soviet Union occupation in Afghanistan, as well as by the November 1979 takeover of the U.S. Embassy in Tehran and the 50 Americans who were held hostage for 444 days, irrespective of the U.S. game-changing tailwind to the Ayatollah's rise to power. It was also evidenced by the 258 U.S. fatalities in the 1983 car bombing of the U.S. Embassy and Marines headquarters in Beirut, irrespective of the rough U.S. pressure on Israel during its war on the PLO, and the 1998 car bombing of the U.S. embassies in Kenya and Tanzania, irrespective of President Clinton's brutal pressure of Israel and warm embrace of Arafat. Hamas, Hezbollah, and Iran's ayatollahs derive much energy by the fact that some Western policymakers and media outlets have applied the immoral, moral equivalents to Hamas terrorists, who systematically and deliberately hit civilians, sometimes killing soldiers and Israeli soldiers who systematically and deliberately target only Hamas terrorists sometimes unintentionally killing Gaza civilians who are held hostage by Hamas terrorists and abused as human shields. Constraining Israel's war on Hamas amounts to ignoring the aforementioned facts. It would amount to repeating rather than avoiding past costly mistakes, which would add fuel to the Middle East fire at the expense of Israel, pro-U.S. Arab regimes, the United States, and other Western democracies. These are the subjects that nobody in the mainstream wants to talk about. The notion of Jewish victimhood has now all but been expunged. In its place has come Islamophobia. As the Jews are defamed as Nazis, the Palestinians are considered to be the new Jews. Thus have the Islamists captured the citadels of thought at the heart of the Western alliance. I'm sick and tired of hearing, we urge all sides to refrain from violence and retaliatory attacks. Terror and violence solve nothing. Really? All sides? Does the U.S. believe, therefore, that Israel and Hamas are morally equivalent? So that Israel must refrain from destroying the forces which have murdered hundreds of civilians in one day, which the U.S. disapprovingly says would be a retaliatory attack? Should America have refrained from attacking the Taliban in Afghanistan after 9-11 because this was likewise a retaliatory attack? 
Whenever Israel has launched military operations in Gaza, which it does only when attacks from there have become intolerable, Western progressives complain that its response is disproportionate. What they mean, in their disgusting way, is that not enough Israelis have been killed yet. So will the horrific toll now give them pause? What we seen last week? Don't hold your breath. If Israel goes hard into Gaza, which it must, as a moral imperative, the usual suspects in the media and the progressive classes and the squad will be screaming, disproportionate, before you can say, kafia. That's because the Palestinian agenda is the cause of causes for Western progressives. Supporting the Palestinians is the default position for all liberals. So these are the people they have been supporting. And you've seen the images. They are supporting people who murder babies in front of their parents. They are supporting people who rape women and then parade them bleeding before Facebook where their parents have to witness it. These are the animals who over and over again teach their children that there is some victory to be garnered when you kill a Jew. Support for the Palestinian cause is ingrained throughout the Western liberal world. And as a result, generations have been brainwashed into believing the lie that Israel is a colonial oppressor and the Palestinian Arab aggressors are actually the victims. That's why every attempt by the Israelis to defend themselves militarily against the Palestinians results in increased attacks on diaspora Jews. It's happening in Britain already. It happened in France last week, and it's happening in America as well. Jews are under siege. Community patrols have to be stepped up. Police officers have to be assigned to synagogues and Jewish schools. A Jewish school in London told its children not to wear their school blazer off-premises because it bears an obvious Jewish symbol. Now we can see how the Holocaust was allowed to happen. When evil people try to wipe the Jews from the earth, millions avert their gaze fruitlessly wring their hands, or even tacitly support those involved in such evil. Never again? Well, it's happened again. But this time, there's a fifth column within the West that the West itself has nurtured, and which it still can't even bring itself to name. I am so disturbed by everything that I have seen. I am so disturbed by the fact that we have college campuses which are literally marching and protesting in defense of the barbaric, torturous acts that were taking place in southern Israel. We're morally confused, and we are teaching an entire generation to be morally confused. The war in Gaza is producing moral confusion in the West because people are struggling to reconcile the evidence of unambiguous evil directed at the Jews with the innate liberal resistance to doing what is needed to defeat it. People are nodding along sagely to the warnings that Israel must exercise restraint. That's right, they're always told to exercise restraint. The Hamas strategy is to provoke Israel into such uncontrollable rage 
at the atrocities that we saw that it would start a war so intense it would spread to other fronts and bring down the ceiling on the whole region. So as Israel now prepares to direct its bombers against Gaza City as it enters with ground troops, it literally has warned the city's 1.1 million residents to get out, to evacuate to the south. The UN has called for this order to be rescinded because of the risk of devastating humanitarian consequences, transforming what is already a tragedy into a calamitous situation, to all of which a few things need to be said. Jews don't need anyone to tell them the dangers of this war spreading. They don't need anyone to tell us of the likely hostile reaction from the world if Israel pulverizes Gaza. But what exactly would the Hague suggest Israel should do? What do they think restraint should look like, given what Israel is up up against? Because nobody's willing to say that. Israel has learned bitter lessons in the past from exercising restraint in response to international demands. In all of its wars, it has gone to extraordinary lengths to avoid taking civilian casualties. It has previously achieved a ratio of combatants to civilians killed lower than any other nation on earth. It got no credit, whatever, for this, not from the West. Instead, it was defamed, demonized, and hounded for war crimes. And the result of this past restraint was the 1,300 slaughtered in the Hamas pogrom. If there was a way to defeat Hamas without a war in which many civilians will unfortunately die, Israel would take it. But there isn't one. Those calling for restraint, therefore, mean that Israel must not defeat Hamas which would sentence yet more Israeli civilians to be murdered. Yes, the prospects for Gaza civilians are frightful, and the deaths of civilians is always to be regretted. But this is war. In war, there are civilian casualties. And what other army warns its enemy civilians, as Israel has done consistently during this and every war? Get out of harm's way before it strikes? When meanwhile, their own government is telling them, don't leave, we need pictures of children and bodies in the street to garner support from the West. When the U.S. carpet bombed Afghanistan after 9-11, or when it raised Mosul to the ground in Iraq, did it issue warnings to the civilians to evacuate? Of course not. Did the West's virtue signalers clutch their pearls then? and demand that America show restraint because of the likely civilian casualties? Of course not. There was near silence. When Britain and the Allies carpet-bombed Nazi Germany, did anyone protest and call for restraint? Other than a few pacifists, of course, people understood that this was a war to defend the existence of a free Britain and a free Europe. Israel is now fighting for its own existence against Iran-backed forces, which are pursuing a genocidal agenda right out of the Nazi playbook. That's why Israel's former Prime Minister, Naftali Bennett, let fly against the Sky News reporter who asked him what Israel was doing about the babies in Gaza's hospitals whose incubators would have to be turned off because Israel had cut Gaza's power. 
responded a furious Bennett. Are you seriously keeping on asking me about Palestinian civilians? What's wrong with you? Have you not seen what's happened? We're fighting Nazis. France's president, Emmanuel Macron, also doesn't seem to understand this point. Urging Israel to show restraint, he said, This is not a war between Israelis and Palestinians, but between a terrorist group and a society of democratic values. Wrong. Israel is not at war with a terrorist group. It is fighting for its survival against Iran and its proxies, which are prosecuting their genocidal agenda to wipe Israel and every Jew off the face of the earth. We know that's their aim because they tell us so. We know it by their actions. We saw it in the depravity of the Hamas death squads who set out to butcher Jews because they were Jews. As for the UN, this is the body which year in and year out lends support and legitimization to those countries and regimes which want Israel destroyed and which itself adds to the incitement against Israel through the UN's own obsessive campaign of defamation, blood libels, and other lies. The UN is the body purportedly promoting peace and justice, which refrains from condemning Hamas for tyrannizing the people of Gaza and for holding the entire civilian population as effective hostages and human shields by sighting its missile batteries in and around apartment blocks, schools, and hospitals. Hamas has now told the Gazans that Israel's warning to evacuate Gaza City is false and they should stay put. That's because Hamas wants them killed. Yet on this, the UN is silent. No surprise, in Gaza, like everything else there, the UN is under the Hamas thumb. Schools run by the UN Relief and Works Agency for Palestine Refugees teach Gazan children to hate and murder Jews, as you can see. This is what these UN-taught children are saying. Right now, I am prepared to be a suicide bomber. With Allah's help, I will fight for ISIS, the Islamic State. I am ready to stab a Jew and drive a car over them. We have to constantly stab them, drive over them, and shoot them. Stabbing and running over Jews brings dignity to the Palestinians. The reason the West is always in an uproar over the fate of the Palestinians in Gaza has nothing to do with concern for the Palestinians in Gaza. If Westerners were concerned for them, they would be in an uproar over the oppression of the Palestinians in Gaza by the Palestinians who rule them. The uproar over Israel's wars in Gaza is because support for the Palestinians and bigotry against Israel are normative among Western liberals. They have thoroughly assimilated the lie that Israel is reckless and callous with Palestinian lives. Not only is this the opposite of the truth, by supporting the Palestinians, the West is supporting the heirs to the Nazis. That's because it's not just Hamas which acts out of the Nazi playbook. The supposedly moderate Mahmoud Abbas, the head of the supposedly moderate PA, Palestinian Authority, wrote his doctorate in vicious Holocaust denial and openly venerates Hitler's ally in the Middle East, the Mufti of Jerusalem, 
Hajamin at Hosseini, who pledged to Hitler that he would annihilate every Jew in the Middle East. The PA pumps out media and educational materials that recycle Nazi tropes, demonizing Jews, and teach Palestinian children that their highest calling is to murder Jews and steal their land. Fatah, the largest party in the PA, has praised Hamas as the forces of heroism for the Simchat Torah pogrom and has called on the Palestinian public to answer the calls to confront Israel and escalate the situation on the ground in every conflict area and throughout the homeland. Despite all this, and again all too predictably, the West is now dividing the Palestinian Arabs into the bad Palestinians of Hamas and the good Palestinians who are all the others. This distinction is false, ignorant, and dangerous. Those who make it demonstrate not only that they don't understand the Palestinian cause is to war, to destroy the Jewish state, and to kill Jews because they're Jews. It also shows that they haven't a clue about the danger now facing the West itself from within. Hamas isn't just a fanatic sect in the Middle East supported by a few crazies in the West. It promotes jihadi holy war in accordance with the ideology promoted by the Muslim Brotherhood. That holy war has Western civilization squarely within its sights. In the Wall Street Journal, Walter Russell Mead, whose recent book, The Ark of a Covenant, displays monumental, naively, and delusional about the Palestinians and their non-negotiable existential war against Israel existence, writes, The ability of the Muslim Brotherhood, of which Hamas is a member, to advance democracy in the Arab world has sustained a staggering, perhaps fatal blow. Until the Brotherhood unambiguously repudiates Hamas, its credibility as a stabilizing democratic force will collapse. This is ridiculous. Hamas is the Muslim Brotherhood, as were ISIS and Al-Qaeda. The Brotherhood tailors its approach for different societies. It is embedded across the West in institutions and organizations which are careful to use nonviolent means to further its global aim, to capture the non-Islamic or not Islamic enough world and replace their culture by Islamic rule, to suggest that it was ever a stabilizing democratic force displays quite staggering ignorance. As Egypt's president, Abdel Fattah al-Sisi, said after the catastrophic and oppressive year-long rule by the Brotherhood's Mohamed Morsi, which was ended when al-Sisi removed him in 2013, the Muslim Brotherhood has been eating away at the mind and body of Egypt for 90 years. The Brotherhood is behind a global network of Sunni jihadi groups sowing terror and mass murder. So if you want to have discussions about this subject, and if you want to condemn Israel, or you want to support Palestine, then learn the history of this. It's not simplistic, and it's certainly not what the media is telling you. Do your own research. Listen to podcasts like mine. Listen to Ben Shapiro. Listen to Mark Levin. Listen to people who will tell you the truth, and then spread it around. Have somebody else listen to these podcasts. May God bless you, and may God bless Israel, and may God bless the United States of America. See you next time.
The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.